Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. All right. Welcome to the Refuge Recovery World Services Town Hall Q&A. We're doing it monthly this year. We're doing it quarterly as an opportunity to talk, connect, um, discuss any issues that are coming up around things happening in, in refuge groups or um, questions about the infrastructure that we're building, anything like that. So welcome, I am Noah and Vanessa is uh, co-hosting, also part of the board of directors at, at Refuge Recovery World Services. So we are here for you and it's your turn, your time and your uh, opportunity to bring up any anything that's on your mind, any questions or uh, issues that are coming up. I don't have all the answers, but I'm happy to talk with you about it. So anybody who would like to begin, the way this works is you can just raise your hand um, through your reactions at the bottom of your screen. Um, your hand will go up. And how it will work also is that if you don't ask questions, Vanessa will ask all of the questions. So you have to jump in there. Vanessa, you can go first if you'd like. Okay, this is a, a representative question. Um, and this is written out so that it summarized the, the sentiments of the group that met. So I'm gonna read it. Um, a group of approximately 15 female identifying members of refuge recovery recently met independent of a refuge recovery official meeting to discuss concerns regarding what some might consider harassment slash pervasively inappropriate behavior within mixed gendered meetings. While we realize the issue of sexual or cultural harassment is not, not specific to refuge recovery and is prevalent in most, if not all recovery programs, the incidents which with it seems to be occurring over a substantial period of time is systemic and problematic. And these are the three things that, that are kind of like asked or wanted to be addressed. Uh, one, we realize in many cases, these issues can be resolved via a group conscience, but what if the very behavior in question is being displayed by volunteers within the meeting holding service positions, example, the meeting secretary. Two, could Refuge Recovery World Services suggest some verbiage that groups can elect to add to their meeting scripts regarding intolerance of sexually inappropriate chat remarks, racist, politically offensive, hateful remarks? Three, who should members contact if for whatever reason they cannot bring the issues up to the individuals running the meeting? We have a document that we've been working on to try to address this um it's about done we just i just we kind of need to do a, a final edit to it and uh, but most of this is addressed in this um statement that we're going to put out sometime soon sometime this year um you know, kind of borrowing from like what the 12 step world does. They, the 12 step world has safety statements and, um, and it's, I don't know, to me, it feels like a tragedy that this happens in, in the, in this world that we live in and specifically in recovery spaces, pure led recovery spaces. And, um, but it does, and we know that it happens. And um, and I like the way that the question was was asked. You know, the kind of like understanding that we can do some of it as a 
at a group level. And I think that ultimately it all has to be done on a group level. That the last part of that question saying, you know, I mean, the, the second part of like, could world services suggest some verbiage? Yes, we can. And it's part of that statement. We can suggest some, some verbiage, but all of that has to go through the meeting and the group conscience and the people in the meeting um, deciding together and discussing and voting upon, do we want to put some language in our um, format that, uh, you know, says we, everyone's welcome and we don't tolerate, uh, you know, harmful speech. And, um, you know, people will be asked to leave meetings if, if they're mis, misbehaving. Um, and that's, you know, that's where we're landing as far as like, it's totally okay to ask somebody, you know, for through a group conscience, um, you know, to not attend the meeting or to leave the meeting. Uh, it's okay for a secretary if somebody's being really disruptive or causing harm in some way to, you know, online, it's a little bit easier. The online meetings, you can actually just <laughs> kick someone off of the Zoom meeting. In person, there's more of a confrontation that needs to happen and a communication where, you know, actually asking some, you know, you have to kind of stand and say, hey, can we go outside and talk? And this behavior is not okay here. And, and with a, with a real like, and you're welcome to come back, you know, um, even if you are confused and being inappropriate, you're welcome here. Everyone's welcome here because that's the suffering that's spilling out. That's the confusion that's spilling out. And that's what we're all here to heal. Um, so there's going to have to be a lot of, a lot of patience and a lot of tolerance and a lot of acceptance of the people who don't yet know how to be kind or skillful or appropriate with their sexual energy, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's people are coming to refuge because of sex addiction because of, and, um, and don't have recovery yet. So these kind of things are going to happen. Um, the last piece around, you know, what do we do if last part of the question, the way I heard it was kind of like, well, if we try the group conscience and we fail, then who do we, what, what's the, read that last part again. Who do, who's going to intervene for us? What's it say? Um, who should members contact if for whatever reasons they cannot bring the issues up to the individuals running the meeting? Not, oh, so like in the case where it's the secretary or somebody in a service position that's uh, acting in inappropriate ways, yeah. you can contact World Services if there's somebody in a service position that um, is acting in inappropriate ways. And I might be able to talk to the person. Um, I would try, I would try, you know, if that was brought to my attention. But, um, you know, we don't... We don't have a mechanism really, you know, right now we can still do it. There's only a couple hundred meetings, but it's going to get to the point where this is going to have to be handled at area levels and the, 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 the groups and the group reps and the areas are going to have to handle these things because world services is not going to be able to intervene. Um, and, uh, and it's one of the dilemmas of having a peer led movement. I'm having a whole bunch of addicts trying to help each other and sometimes hurting each other instead of helping each other. That's uh, to be expected. And, and any ideas that we have of like, everybody's going to be perfectly behaved is more delusion. Um, but of course, we want people to be as well behaved as possible. And we want to be really patient and tolerant in the process with each other as we grow and heal. And, and uh, ultimately we don't kick people out of refuge recovery. You can ask people to leave meetings. You could even, in the, that statement, we said something about, you know, maybe there's kind of a three strikes thing of like, you know, maybe you need to leave. Hey, maybe don't come back for a month. Maybe don't come back for two months. Maybe don't come back for three months, but it's all suggestions. I mean, you can't, keep someone out of a meeting. 
if they decide to show up, you, you know, you don't have a restraining order, so you can't really keep someone out of a meeting. Um, and then ultimately, if the behavior is in any way illegal, then, you know, call the authorities. And if it's just offensive, um, do all of those things that we're talking about, you know, talk to them, have group conscience, ask someone else to talk to them. Uh, well, and if I may uh, just elaborate a little, so it's pretty clear when something is being blatantly, um, uh, you know, not good <laughs> in a meeting, um, but there's, there's, there's like a certain, okay, so um, I, I'm not familiar with like CODA meetings, but I've heard that they have a pretty uh, good uh, thing that they read at the beginning of meetings. Like this is the kind of behavior that we're talking about. So like when, if people think what they're doing is okay and that behavior may signal, you know, no, actually that, like just don't do that. Even though that might seem benign, it's just not welcome in this recovery space. So it's like, more about the subtle ways that people can kind of um, rub up against others in a way that is not welcome in a, in a recovery space. Like they're just, they just want to be here and not, you know, deal. And I know that's not the world we live in, but it's, I don't know. Like, so I guess, yes, a safety statement is, is the one thing, but also like, Hey, uh, we're all just here for our recovery. So like, you know, I, I know yellow looks good on me, but like, you don't need to text me that yellow look, yellow is my color. Yeah. And it might not be my color. I'm using that as an example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, I feels like there's two different, there's really inappropriate behavior that's causing harm. And then there's just people um, being a little bit annoying and, you know, and then you, you just have to accept and deal with the people that are pushing your buttons and annoying you. But if they're being actually harmful, um, then that needs to be addressed more directly. Yeah. Um, thank you. I hope that was un, un, thorough enough. Uh, James, you're next. Thank you, Noah. Um, I just wanted to um, ask a little bit about the, the guiding principles. Uh, and um, it's been some confusion around that in some of the groups that I've attended. Specifically, number four, Refuge Recovery is an abstinence-based program. Um, and I, it goes on from there. Um, you know, and it kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit because, you know, a lot of us are seeking refuge from 12-step programs which were abstinence-based, and it led to a lot of rigidity of thought. And um, we come to this refuge recovery, which is a fantastic um, upgrade in my experience uh, in so many ways uh, for me. Um, I can only speak for myself, but uh, that was what I found. And I, I wonder if you've considered thinking, instead of saying refuge recovery is absence-based program, that refuge recovery is a Buddhist-based program. And, uh, you know, we know abstinence is, is not really what we're after. Um, abstinence by itself is not, uh, not what we're looking for. Um, and the Buddhist principle that I believe in is renunciation. And abstinence is not renunciation. I can do abstinence with my willpower alone, but it's not part of my spiritual path. Renunciation is part of my spiritual path. But even renunciation is not recovery. And so when we try to create an atmosphere of openness and trust um, and recover and to heal from the wounds, um, then I think the emphasis could really, we can benefit really if we shift away from the 12 step absence based to Buddhist based and be clear from the start that that's what we're trying to achieve here because that leads to compassion, kindness, and wisdom in a way that absence does not. And I wondered what you thought of that. I mean, I believe when we're reading the guiding principles before we get to the fourth 
you know, there's that whole preamble piece that says, you know, this is a based on on Buddhism, and all over this is, you know, what you're saying. It's it's addressed over and over in the book, and um, that this is a Buddhist-based group, and this is our definition of renunciation, and our definition of recovery, and our definition of uh, of ab, you know, of abstinence. I felt um, that it was important to be explicit in the guiding principles and in the literature that we are an abstinence-based recovery program because there are uh, harm reduction and non-abstinence-based recovery programs that don't um, necessarily encourage or support abstinence. Um, Buddhism, we are Buddhism, of course, and Buddhism is an abstinence-based spiritual path. Uh, yes, we can, you know, get into the semantics, renunciation, but <laughs> abstaining from intoxicants is the Buddhist teaching. Um, and so I, I think I think it's important to be clear there so that people, uh, do, you know, especially, and I, I like the way that you're framing it around you know, a lot of a lot of people find their way to refuge because of their dissatisfaction with the twelve steps, rooms, programs, and um, and some of them are looking for, you know, a, a, an easier way that's not asking them to actually be sober. <laughs> They're like, well, what if I just meditate and you know, uh, not really be in, you know, not really be abstinent? So I think it's really important for us to be clear what we're doing is based in renunciation is the practice of abstinence and that's just the foundation and then it's the mindfulness and the compassion all of the things you spoke to it beautifully um but abstinence is the the foundation yeah that's um that's where i i quibble a little bit because abstinence is a byproduct of renunciation and i think that that's where we really need to focus and by putting the focus so clearly on abstinence, which is just a byproduct of the path that we're all walking or trying to walk. Um, and it leads to confusion in the groups that I've been attending. And that, for example, someone who's codependent, that's their issue. Um, they can't be a, a door person in a meeting because they've had one drink with their family. Um, and you know, this is not compassionate, this is not kind, and this is not wise. And I think if you're clearer in the guiding principles that it's Buddhist based, because that's where you're putting the emphasis on abstinence, which I think is, is turning people heads around yeah. and they're getting confused. So I think the emphasis needs to be clearer in the guiding principles because you then in your readings and in the various parts of your books, you can elaborate on the differences and you can uh, say that yes, abstinence is part of this, but we want and to practice kindness compassion, wisdom. Yeah. Uh, I, I Personally, I feel like it's really well addressed that we're practicing renunciation, kindness, wisdom, that is, and I hear that the abstinence doesn't fit for you in that the language. I'd be open to um, you proposing a rewording of it. Uh, you. You, you could send that to me and I'd be happy to look at it and discuss it with you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Billy. Hey, Noah. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, mine's kind of like a piggyback on what Vanessa had brought up. Um, there's just, there's been some stuff that's gone down, like outside of meetings with certain, uh, a specific individual. Um, and I'm kind of like interested in some of the some ideas around or a discussion around how you go about addressing someone who's being like aggressive abusive towards other people in the meeting doing really strange things like stalkery kind of things um with people out and it's like by getting contact information and then getting a hold of those people and um it's it's caused some people to not feel comfortable in in certain meetings so they don't show up um and this person has been um minorly confronted around it but doesn't seem to be 
changing their uh, behavior too much. Um, and it's like, what, how do you go about doing that? You just like call like a special meeting of the, like a, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's zoom. It's so, you know, be so e it's so much easier in a, in an in-person meeting to be able to go up and be like, Hey, um, you know, what do we do about that? That's going on. Right. Um, you know, like when you have somebody that's trying to 13 step everybody or like, you know, just being like aggressive and abusive towards people. And, you know, obviously we have the ability to block them on our phones and things like that, but like in a, in a zoom structure, how do you, how do you just, how do you make that, that, that work? You know, like that whole idea of like, Hey, you know, do you need to not come back for a week or, um, you know, like those ideas that you had spoken about earlier, like, I guess just more the logistics of how do you how do you do that when there's been like you know repetitive sort of um, behaviors that um, don't seem to be being addressed at all by the person. Now, obviously, they're we're all perfectly imperfect, but mm -hmm. there's been some sort of pretty significant issues, um, and I'm just sort of that. That's I just. Uh, I, I told someone that I would bring it up today and I, I just want to kind of get some ideas from the group as well as you know. I mean, I, I do feel a little bit at a loss for, for it. I don't, I don't totally know what to do about this. Uh, and I'm open to what other people's thoughts are, um, you know, within the frame of, I want to put some Dharma Dharma frame on it within the frame of compassion for why people are behaving this way. What's within the frame of um, some equanimity of understanding that their happiness or unhappiness is dependent on their actions within the, the understanding that we can't control people. Um, and I like what you're saying, like you, you have the conversations and, you know, you can have that conversation over and over with people sometimes and the behavior might not change. And then it comes to like boundaries, you know, personal boundaries. And, and, and I think there's a big part of it, you know, like pure led groups are so good on so many levels. We all, you know, we're here cause we love, you know kind of being able to help each other and show up and, and there's a huge shadow which is that it can become unsafe at times for people and un, un, you know, because it's, it's, um, there is no real authority and real, you know, everybody's in it together. So, you know, it's un unlike, a, you know, Sangha usually in Buddhism where there's a teacher and you can talk to the teacher and the teacher can do something. And we just can't do that for all of these different groups that have autonomy. Um, other thoughts about this, you know, what do, what do other people in the Sangha think about how to work with difficult um, people and how to, to you know, communicate with them? Richard and then Robin. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for bringing these issues up today. They're really important. And uh, thanks, Vanessa, for giving them voice. Um, I want to speak from personal experience on the uh, third part of the issue that uh, Vanessa brought up. And how this can be referred or dealt with at a higher level. Um, and I'm a little nervous about sharing personal experience, but I think it pertains and would be helpful in this conversation that we're having. Uh, a few years back, I've been in uh, refuge about four years now. You'll be four years in October. Um, and a few years back, uh, I was uh, contacted by the current head, or uh, the, um, I don't know what to call it, the, the um, executive of World Services, Joseph at the time, uh, that I was out of integrity with uh, a woman in the program and that she had complained about my uh, talking with her, the way I was approaching her. And I didn't realize it. And Joseph took me aside and let me know what had happened. And my initial response was to get, you know, a little defensive and he was good. He was very skillful about it. He cut me off and he said, look, 
you have your intentions and that's what they are, but the impact is this. And he laid out the impact as the woman had described it to him. And I listened to him and he said, and this has to stop. And we need to bring this to a close right now. And uh, probably what would be good for you in your recovery is to give up some of your service positions and just go back and work your program with our support because we do love you and we want you to stay in, in refuge, but this other stuff you're doing can't continue. And the impact on me was very strong in a positive way. I did exactly what he said for me to do. I didn't want to leave refuge. I did work more strenuously and, cons and consistently and, and coherently with my program. And I made amends to the woman in, in question. And it was very powerful for me to do that. And so it was an effective tool that was used. And I had a, a, another incident of similar type um, that came up last year, but about referencing uh, something that happened at the conference two years ago uh, that was similar, that I was brought uh, you know, to, this, to my attention. And it was uh, embarrassing, but it was also effective. And even though, and I, I changed and I changed. I made amends, I made changes. And um, I just wanna put this out as my personal experience that this was an effective tool that was used and that members of the World Services Board were brought into uh, calling me to, uh, to be accountable for my actions. And I listened to them and it was handled very skillfully. And we say that we're a peer-driven program and that there isn't authority uh, and ideally that's true, but the reality of it is, and I hope you excuse me for saying this, Noah, there's a lot of authority invested in you because you're the founder of the program and you are the, you know, like the chief honcho there with World Services. So there is a projection of authority in, in refuge. And I think it's effective to acknowledge that and also to be able to utilize it at times when it's necessary for, um, in my case, it was Joseph, uh, to come forth and saying, look, this has come to our attention and this has to stop. And because he had the authority of the board and because of who he is as a person in recovery, I listened and I changed. And it was very helpful for me and helpful to the people who were offended by my behavior. So I just want to put that out as um, that it worked. And that's not something that we should just wipe off the table because we're a peer-driven organization and nobody's in authority, which is not true. There are authorities in this in this program, and the authority comes from the um, the integrity. The authority comes from the the length of time in programs, strenuously and seriously and sincerely working on ourselves, and that's an internal authority that comes from the work and the experience that's been and the uh, progression that's been accumulated from the work, and that's where the authority really comes from. It's not role authority; it's personal development authority. And we can use that. And, and I agree with the idea that when we are more mature as an organization, that we'll have um, regional or, um, I forget the word you used, Noah, but it was like, we'll have perhaps group reps and it, mm -hmm. like an intersanga. That then, and, and I've seen this happen in AA. I have 30 years of experience in 12-step where there'll be a group of men who have some authority that will come to a man who's doing 13-stepping like Billy was talking about. And we'll say to them, this has to stop. This is unsafe for our community. And, you know, it varies on whether they can hear it or not, but there is that ability to pull people together to address the issue in a compassionate, kind, but effective way. And that's what happened for me. And I just wanted to share that experience here. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Richard. Robin, go ahead. Thank you. I, sorry, I was a little bit late. So I don't know what's been said, but I think I, I know from meeting with um, some women um, earlier this week, um, I, I have different schools of thought about this issue because I, I have listened to uh, some women who have had issues in this regard. Um, and I, I feel like within every recovery organization, I think this exists, it doesn't make it okay, but like, you know, it's part of people coming together with addiction that have, that are damaged and have shit and it's messy. And, um, and I think that, yeah, I think that to have some kind of resource within meetings where it's spoken about, I don't know if that was already suggested um, about 
you know, um, just kind of an expectation in terms of communication or a resource that people can use if they're, especially people who are coming to meetings that are that are new and feel that it's an unsafe environment and who are like, then like, oh shit, is this the environment that, you know, refuge is, you know, I mean, it is peer led, but I think it would be helpful if there's some way to get feedback on if that's occurring in meetings systematically. Um, but I also feel from my own experience, and I think it's situational, I think to like over-regulate anything would like take away the kind of um, freedom that we have and the intimacy that we have in meetings of like being able to chat and being ha having to do parking lot if, we, if we're inclined and, and all that kind of stuff. But I also feel like coming into recovery as a woman, I feel like I was well aware of myself and my own issues coming in, in terms of keeping it simple, wanting to be safe and wanting to create structure for myself. Um, and for me, that meant like not putting my last name in meetings and not putting my contact information out there until I felt comfortable with being able to have those conversations and assert myself. And I'm not saying that that's appropriate for every situation, but for myself, I feel like that was part, a big part of my recovery um, is, you know, when those situations would come up of having the difficult, uncomfortable conversations of like, no, that's not okay. Please don't talk to me again, yada, yada. And for a lot of people early in recovery, especially that's like the last thing they want to fucking deal with. And I get that. Um, which is why I think that to have some kind of um, guidelines in the meetings would be really helpful in that regard. But I think also of, you know, ideally if it's someone in your sangha of being able to use your tools to assert your boundaries, um, you know, if you can. So that's just my, my two cents. I like it. Thank you for that. Um, Kat, go ahead. Hey, everybody. Um, I just wanted to thank you so much for having this quarterly um, meeting. And I'm sorry I was late, too. Um, but I, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> This topic is so uncomfortable for me. Um, I can feel like my throat closing up and my body just like tingling, thinking about this and um, what people are saying. And um, I think that Robin said a lot of things about how I feel about this kind of subject and what my, you know, my personal experience with it was or is still is that it really takes practice like for me or anybody um man woman non-binary whoever you are wherever you come from if you're not used to standing up for yourself you're not used to having hard conversations um or telling people um you know i had to really be uncomfortable a lot and tell people that what happened or how I felt when I didn't want to, I didn't want to. Um, and so it takes practice. And another thing I want to say is that um, it doesn't always come out kind or what people think kindness is. Sometimes it comes out as very firm, which can be very offensive to people. Um, and I really want to say that like being offended and being triggered is a totally different thing um, that I'm learning. So um, being offended when someone says something to you, like, please don't talk to me. It's actually boundaries keep everybody safe. So you know, I'm not only keeping, when I say that to somebody, you know, through text or whatever, or I'm having a hard conversation with them about how they're behaving, it's not to, for them to take offense to it. It's because I want to speak up for the next person and the next person and the next person, because if I don't say something, then they're just going to keep doing it. So I'm kind of getting riled up. Sorry. Um, but this topic's really important to me. And um, I really, I think that 
just having little forums maybe if like people want to create little um, chats or something because I think we just need to support each other you know like we can't just always call Noah or call you know people that uh, we think are in charge we have to really help each other when this stuff happens and um, teach each other and support each other on it um, so that's all I have to say and thank you so much for being here and I'm really happy to be here thanks Kat I really appreciate what you were saying about that um, James, I see your hand, but before I call on you, I'm going to let the other people who haven't spoken yet go. Um, it looks like Summer and then Lydia. Hey, thank you. And thank you for um, being here tonight and listening and everyone. Thanks for showing up for everyone, for each of us tonight. Um, so uh, the only thing I kind of wanted to add was A. Um, agree with everyone. <laughs> Love you all. Um, but there's something else when when there's something that is said that is um, not just inappropriate, but but borderline, uh, or not borderline, but just straight up racist or borderline inappropriate in that kind of way. Um, it is, I will have to say, it's not my place or anyone else's place to um, educate someone on how to be a, a not racist human. But what we should do is put something in the verbiage before the meeting. We need to add something about hateful, racist, um, anything discriminatory type of speech made during or after the meeting at each other. Um, because me as a, as a white woman, this stuff doesn't happen to me. But um, there are people who this stuff does happen to. And at that point, like... Yes, we do need to be in a place in our recovery to be able to talk to people about hard topics, but again, not our place to teach people or educate people. So I think we should just throw it in the beginning of the meeting and then it's, it's in there and it's covered and, and um, yeah, that's all I got. One of the um, questions earlier was, uh, would World Service put some together some suggestions for, for some verbiage around those kind of things? And the answer is yes, we will. Um, you know, the, the wheels turn pretty slow over here at World Services, but eventually we will um, put something like that together that are suggestions. And in the meantime, uh, your group can um, have a, you know, you, you can propose something to your group and you guys can take a group conscience. Do we wanna add this? You know, it's not against the guiding principles to add something that is in line with the guiding principle that says, as a group, you know, we have no opinions on outside political issues, um, uh, but in this meeting, we do ask everyone to not speak uh, in racist ways or sexist ways or homophobic ways or whatever language you wanna put in there. It's okay to put that in there as long as you have a group conscience and uh, you know, make sure that the majority of the meeting wants to add that kind of verbiage to the, to the format. So just to clarify, I do, we have talked about that in, in meetings, um, but I think it would, it would kind of show a united front um, for all of us and everyone's safety if, if we worked on that verbiage sooner than later for the whole um, organization. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to it. We'll put out some suggestions. I have my own, um, I, I think this is just my, I have a little bit of a, a pet peeve around meetings that formats are too long and a little bit like kind of not controlling, but just like overly, like how many of you have ever been to an NA meeting and there's 17 readings? And it just feels like, wow, so much. Like, can we meditate and, you know, get to the discussion without like, well, what is this? And what is that? And how do we speak? And how should we act? And what do you do if somebody doesn't act the way that they're supposed to be acting? And so it's all good. Like, I don't want to be dismissive of this because these are important issues and a way to, to do it that's concise 
that doesn't take up 20 minutes of reading, this is how you should behave in this space. And that trusts that most people will um, behave well that are coming in and seeking help and will change slowly towards more positive behaviors over the months and years of their recovery. And that some of it's tolerating some unskillful behavior and not being intolerant, including not being intolerant of intolerance. Um, making a real big, big net and accepting community. Um, and we don't wanna start kicking people out because they don't have wisdom yet, you know, or, or, you know, but putting the language in there is for sure useful and we'll, I'm happy to, happy to help work on that. Lydia, go ahead. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. And I'm, I'm I don't want to be a dead horse. But yeah, I was I was pretty much gonna reiterate kind of say exactly what summer was saying. Um, and just because I know that there are, and I under I understand all the points that you made also make sense. Um, not wanting to extend the meeting for a ridiculously long amount of time, but I, there's like the, those bold things that have to be read at every single meeting. I, I just, it seems important to have something in there, just a, just a brief one or two sentence statement. Um, and it could even say something like, if you have any questions about this, you know, contact whoever or whatever, but, um, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I just echoing that it just it feels really important and and um yeah anyway that's it i mean I'm, I'm just i'm curious about this i again feel very willing to put in some specific language i think i have a little bit of and it might be my own delusion i have a little bit of feeling like we we read all this stuff that says here we are practicing mindfulness kindness compassion forgiveness like it's it's in what we read at every meeting. This is a place to develop kindness and compassion and skillful communication. It's one of the factors of the path. We're reading it every meeting. So and maybe that's too uh, broad to say kindness and too broad to say compassion and forgiveness. And we have to actually say, don't be racist here. <laughs> don't be sexist here. And you know, um, but I feel like, it, am I wrong? I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And like kindness doesn't cover, don't be racist here. It's subjective. Um, it's, it's subjective, like, yeah. yeah. everybody has their own idea of what constitutes racism and sexism and all these things. And I think, even if, I think even if you were to add a reading, which I think is great, um, yeah. a lot of people don't hear what is read at meetings. Yeah. I, I'll have people at business meetings bring something up and we're like, that's already in the script. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we say kindness and compassion, this, that, but people just, you know, so we can try and add a reading, but it may not impact the actual outcome of who's being naughty. So I can read, can I redirect just for a second? I don't mean to cut anybody else off, but just like 10 seconds. Like what uh, I'm more, more referring to is like the, the skill set of like, when someone has been, has like crossed boundaries, like. No, how do you like then like Billy, how do you it's two, different, it's two different issues we're talking and we're talking about both one is the intervention that you're asking about yeah. and talking about and the other is the um uh you know yeah, be pre cool don't be a dick. preemptive preemptive <laughs> languaging in the in the script There's right two yeah yeah okay um kelly go ahead I'm going to keep beating it. No, I'm kidding. Um, good to be here. Um, I just want to say, I think I remember around this time last year, I was asking about the same thing and beating the same horse. Um, and I will say, I don't feel like I was heard. However, um, holy shit, I've learned so much about myself and the power that I have within myself. And I didn't, I didn't know, fuck, it's literally been about a year and like several, probably a couple handful of weeks to date since we were on this YouTube doing this <clears throat> and you were, and I was trying to ask you like, rescue me. Like I have a fucking problem. This dude's a fucking predator basically is what I was trying to say. But like in real life, outside of the zoom room, 
I don't call upon anybody. I have to handle it myself. Um, setting boundaries and understanding that as a woman, as a human being, I have a fucking voice. And I think during that time when it happened to me, it triggered like it triggered all my trauma, all my sexual trauma and stuff. And it's not a fun feeling to be in fight, flight or freeze, man. It sucks. And then when you go and try and get help, which isn't realistic necessarily, especially in a peer led group, like it's just I don't know. But I will say that, man, um, I can see how far I've come and just the practice still works, even though world services didn't come and fucking rescue me like I thought they would. But like dude fell off and like whatever. And I grew and I know how to set boundaries. And like I just sent out my number today to a dude and I was like, look, man, if you're going to fucking do this, then I'm fucking blocking you and I'm going to let you know and I'm going to embarrass you. And then I'm going to fucking block you. So like, you know, and that made me feel like, damn, yeah. Like, I don't have to have nobody fucking step in because this is my fucking life. This is my experience. And it sucks that it happens. Trust me, my skin just fucking crawls when like women, men, whoever the fuck it is, it gets crossed like that. But in, in reality, that experience was showing me a mirror. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but it was showing me a fucking mirror, like, and I've been working through it this last year and like, I'll be damned. Like I'm here now. So anyway, thanks. And I, I wouldn't mind a blurb too, but man, there's a, it all, we do, we already do have a really good, it's like compassion and kindness. I don't, I don't know. I haven't experienced the racial thing yet, but I, I'm hoping someone says something so I can fucking stand up for myself. So <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Kelly. Really good to see you. I'm glad to hear that. And um, that's that's the that's the business right there of kind of like walking through it and 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 I also heard what Richard said, you know Richard and Cat, you know there's there's some you know my, my sense like when Richard was saying that thing about about Joseph calling you and me talking to you and you know we have a relationship you Richard you know. Joseph and I already had a relationship with Richard, so it was easier for us to have those conversations with him. Some of the, you know, things that are happening, we don't even hear about, or we don't, you know, we don't have any relationship with the, the random person who's, um, you know, being inappropriate in whatever way. And so it's not so easy for us to intervene. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit moved by what Richard was saying, and also Kelly uh, what she was saying of this kind of like, maybe there is a role for there to be some kind of an ethics and reconciliation aspect to what we're doing at World Services, where we um, do, you know, when, when all else has failed uh, and the, you know, conversations, like Billy's saying, the conversations have been had and, and it's not changing that, that at World Services, you know, the, I, I mean, I'm willing to, to have some of those conversations and I do have them with members sometimes. So um, I'm open, I'm open to that, but I also don't want it to be, it's so tricky, you know, because, uh, you know, I don't want to get the call of like, hey, you really got to talk to this person. They keep telling me that I look good in yellow and, um, you know, that, and I love what Kelly was saying of like, nope, it's your job to tell this person. And like Kat said, it's your, it's, you know, it's your job to tell this person, stop fucking commenting on what I'm wearing. And if they keep doing it and, you know, then maybe like, hey, I told them to stop commenting on what I'm wearing. Then they keep doing it. And, you know, will you talk to them, Noah? And then I say, hey, stop commenting on what people are wearing. And they, you know, and then they keep doing it, um, you know, at some point. Our hands are tied. But maybe like Richard was saying, maybe a call from me. Some some people might say, like, oh fuck, Noah called me, told me to stop comment complimenting people on yellow. Fuck yellow. Um, James, go ahead. Thank you, Noah. I, I think I'll defer to, to Cecilia. I think she had her, she hasn't spoken yet. And then I'll go. Okay, go for it, Cecilia. Thank you. Um, and thank you all for 
this conversation. And Noah, thank you for having this forum so that we can talk about these things. I mean, this is the group conscience, right? So um, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for Refuge. I think because of this, I'm on a spiritual path and I am working my recovery. Um, I, I do want to say, though, um, I, I appreciate what everyone has said. Um, I just wanted to add like one additional thing as someone who is actively working recovery and is in the very early stages. And I am a person who I have felt inappropriately targeted and like lines were crossed. And I got to have the opportunity to reflect for myself, like, how do I want to respond, right? Like, what is the wise response for me? And yeah, if I were closer to being bodhisattva, Buddhahood, whatever, then maybe I could have the strength and the wisdom and detachment to speak directly, you know? And I did to a certain degree, but then there also came a point where I was like, you know what? This isn't my responsibility. They have their own path and me working on what I'm working on, my recovery, specifically codependent patterns, it is not my job to go and do this, you know? So I just wanna add that because I know for, um, there is, there is wise response and there's multiple wise responses. And the way that I put it, I was like, I'm trying to learn to ride a bicycle and I got training wheels on, you know? So don't send me up the like, mountain bike path uphill like I am not I'm not there and that's okay you know so that's just the one thing I wanted to add and um yeah but I just I have a lot of gratitude and I just appreciate everyone here in this community so thanks thanks Cecilia uh James and then Vanessa and then that's going to be all the time we have probably thanks no um and I really don't envy you. This is, um, I'm so proud of everyone speaking there uh, about their, this issue. And, and it's sad that we, that we have to address it, but it's, it's just, uh, it's out there and we need to talk about it. So thank you all for bringing this up and, and speaking so bravely about it. Um, and uh, I'll just try to induce a little humor in here. Nay, there are a few women who would um, bring in newcomers and female newcomers and they would, come to introduce me and they would tell them he's safe. And the first time I, I kind of bristled, like, what do you mean safe? And then I realized it's, it's a compliment, you know, like I'm not gonna 13 step them, they're letting them know. And um, it, was an, it was an amazing experience to me because they were, they were taking care of each other. They were um, pointing out people who they could trust that way and to some people that they would warn them about. And so what I wanted to piggyback on was what Richard was already saying. There, there is a role for peer pressure. And yeah, the, all, the, all the pressure should not be on somebody um, to speak up for themselves. Although I think setting boundaries has been a magnificent part of my recovery and learning to do it and to just um, stick to them has been critical for my healing and, and recovery. But um, there is a place for peer pressure. I've seen it over and over again. In, in the rooms, again, this is different from Zoom, but in the rooms, you know, you can take people aside and usually it helps to have more than one, just, you know, not to intimidate, but to show that it's not a personal thing, that it's impersonal and uh, meant to be for everyone to feel safe, to share. And when safety comes first, then people can relax. And also I wanted to add that some people just aren't skillful in their language. And so some people we, you know, we know the 13 steppers and it, it's, there's no, you know, uh, gray area there, but there is other people who just haven't learned and they can be gently coached. And this is not the person who's suffering the harassment or, or the, the bad language or their racism or sexism or whatever. It's not their job to teach, but it's somebody's job to get in there and help because it's peer based and it's peer pressure can be a, a, a big, big part of this. And so I'm, I'm just not shy about speaking up when I observe it. 
And um, almost every time someone else has had my back. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, James. And ideally, we hope that that is what develops in, in sanghas and groups, is that there's enough awareness and, and connection and support that people um, are able to s support each other in that way and, and, and confront people in a kind way um, when that's what's appropriate. Vanessa, last word. Yeah, hi. Thanks for everyone's candor and patience and all the things, the participation, you know, it's where, um, like I say, we're making the sausage here. Um, you know, I've often heard, like, when we're in these meetings, like, people say, you know, this isn't group therapy, this is recovery, this isn't group therapy. And like, I thought about that was like, well, it sure kind of feels like it. Cause when I come in, I feel like a mess. And when I leave, I have a little bit more knowledge about myself and others and how my emotions are affecting. So um, I was hoping you could kind of talk on that. Like what distinguishes a recovery meeting from group therapy other than there being crosstalk. But um, cause we, we often share a lot of tools that we learn in therapy too. Um, but one of the things I had when I was younger, I, I, for, 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 for a codependent like me telling me to tell someone, Hey, stop talking to me about my clothes is like telling an alcoholic, just don't drink. Right. It's like fucking way easier said than done. Like me having a confrontation with someone on that level is super uncomfortable. Like I'll work myself into like a gastric ulcer over it. Um, and one of the things I learned in therapy and with my mom growing up was like the code word, right? Like I couldn't find the words to say, yo, stop, you're bugging. And so I would say grapefruit, you know? And so maybe if someone responds, if I, you get a text from me someday or a chat that says grapefruit, just know that I'm super fucking uncomfortable. But you know what I mean? Like we can find solutions, I think, to help us, you know, like... Fucking, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing Friday? Grapefruit, you know, fucking done. I don't know. How is this different than group therapy? And like what, you know, because it's the lines do get blurred, especially with all of our mixed addictions and everything. Like we're all trying to find this common thread of recovery, recovery, big R. I like the... Uh... Sangha safe words. <laughs> I didn't think about it like it, but yeah, it is. Our safe word is grapefruit. Did I just make a safe word? Yeah. <sighs> grapefruit. Um, <clears throat> the way I think about group therapy is that it is usually facilitated by a licensed psychotherapist mm -hmm. who is there to guide and intervene and uh, help the process along. So what we're doing, you know, we've, we've got no, we've got no authority, you know, there's an authority in group therapy. Yes, there's a group of people and they're talking to each other, but it's held in a container and it's facilitated on some level. Generally, this is the way I think about group therapy. Peer-led therapeutic recovery groups that we do, there's no leader. There's no, you know, there's like, we've done our best to create a container. There's a, you know, secretary that has some of that sort of leader responsibility, but they're not a licensed trained psychotherapist and they shouldn't be intervening and cross-talking too much, except for when it's really, you know, inappropriate. And um, so there's therapeutic benefits for sure to what we're doing and the, the, the meditative practice itself and the, you know, conversations, the, the narratives that we're sharing. Um, reflecting on the teachings that we're sharing and reflecting on, but it's not psychotherapy. And, and so it's, it's different in that way. All right, so I um, will add to my long to-do list, our long to-do list. 
to um, you know put together some verbiage for a, a, a suggested statement. Um, and you know we'll we'll get this safety statement um, published the next this year some point in the next few months and um, I did have some, we'll do some further guidance about, you know, what, what was asked about, you know, what are the kind of, what are the steps, you know, what's the first thing, you know, and the kind of like, um, you know, suggestions, we'll, we'll put some suggestions, you know, when somebody is acting in an inappropriate way, first try this, then try this, then try this, um, you know, so we'll, we'll put some of those suggestions together. And then, you know, and we'll include on there, you know, if all else fails, you're, you are welcome to contact us at World Services. And you might walk away with the experience that Kelly reported, which is not feeling very satisfied with it, uh, with the conversation. Um, and, you know, that, that might also be the, the case because I, I feel like there's very much limitations on what we can do. Um, but that we're willing to try, um, you know, I'm willing to try on some levels. I want to thank you all for showing up and thank you for the service that you do in your life and your recovery and the ways that you support each other and your sanghas and the groups that you're part of. And, um, you know, that's, it's, Recovery is a messy business and we're in this, you know, Sangha is a messy business and we're in it. And, um, you know, I'll leave you with this image that one of, one of my Buddhist teachers gave me early on. He said, you know, when I was coming, I was going to work at a meditation center and he could see how I was thinking like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be around all the teachers and I'm going to be like in Buddhism, like in it. And he said, you know, Noah, um, the reality is everybody that finds their way into the Sangha finds their way here because they're suffering a lot. And even the teachers, you know, that have all of their like neurosis and suffering. And he said, you think about the Sangha, not as this like ideal place where everybody's well behaved all of the time, but think about it as a whole bunch of, uh, think about it as a rock tumbler. Think about the Sangha as a rock tumbler. He said, we all come into the Sangha with our jagged edges and our addiction, you know, especially for us in refuge, we come in with our addictions and we come in with our traumas and we come in with all of our jagged edges. He said, but then being in the Sangha is, you know, you, you bounce up, you, you know, you're, you're getting spun around in the, in the rock tumbler and you bounce up against each other and, and, you know, some of the things that were reported today, like what Kat was saying about, like, it's hard, but I have learned this. And what Kelly was saying a year later, like, wow, I learned so much from this painful experience of being stalked by a member. And, you know, like the rock tumbler that, like, if you stick with it and you stay in here and you start to learn how to communicate and how to reach out and, and how to forgive, um, you know, the people that you, you know, wanted to help that didn't help in the way you wanted them to and all of that and that was my experience and continues to be my experience of being part of buddhist community recovery community buddhist community buddhist recovery community um is that sometimes it's really fucking painful and uh you know sometimes people behave really inappropriately and sometimes we're the one that's behaving inappropriately and hoping that we'll have some met with some tolerance and some compassion and some forgiveness. So the refuge rock tumbler is in full effect. And we can do some things to soften the edges. So thank you for being here. Uh, when's the next one, Vanessa? Like October or November or something? What is this month? July. July, June to July, July, August, August, September, September, October, October, right? 
think, I think October. Do you have one in October? October. Oh, and if, yeah, if you have any issues, you can do admin at refugerecovery.org. That goes to. That goes to me. And so, uh, James, if you want to work on that language around, you know, abstinence and stuff, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Shoot me an email. Um, I'm going on vacation this week, so I might not get back to you for a couple of weeks, but happy to happy to talk with with any of you and all of you. And I uh, hope you have a good uh, rest of your Thursday. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Thanks, everyone. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.